Welcome to episode 10 of the WP Campus podcast, a podcast for those using WordPress in higher education. When we talk about WordPress in higher ed, we often talk about technology, themes and plugins, server configurations, and so on. But at some point, the developers have to let go of, the, let go of their websites, and the content creators take over. In higher ed, that brings with it a whole new set of challenges. My name is Brian DeConnick. I'm joined by my colleague at NC State, Jen McFarland, and by Shelley Keith, Director of Digital Communications at University of Mary Washington. Shelley presented at the, the 2016 WP Campus Conference on the topic, We Don't Need No Education, Web Governance Through On-Demand Online Training. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I mentioned this before we, uh, when we were communicating over Slack. I did not actually attend your talk, mm -hmm. and John was not in Sarasota. So, uh, this is basically just an excuse to get her to do it for you again. Yeah, that's basically it. So, uh, so could you give a quick overview of uh, everything you talked about? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, it, it's it's really basically kind of uh, and from the beginning conversation about what what I found when I took the position at UMW when I arrived on campus um, and kind of how I addressed those problems, how I talked about that um, to leadership and kind of the progress that we've made since then um, with, uh, I talk a little bit about what we're calling the strategic redevelopment initiative where we're completely rebuilding the website based on a content strategy initiatives that we have completed and um, the governance piece that's kind of come out of that and what that looks like. So that's basically the entire entire presentation. All right. In a nutshell. So uh, in terms of governance, what was the governance situation like before you started this? Um, it, well, it was the Wild West. And it, in a lot of ways, it kind of still is. Um, UMW is a place where WordPress is kind of in our blood, right? Uh, it's I got there, and for years, uh, we're the home of the of DTLT and the UMW Blogs Initiative. Um, when I got there, Jim Groom had done an amazing job of kind of integrating WordPress into that, the academic culture of the institution, and it had been turned into, we had migrated um, a couple years before I got there off of Contribute and into WordPress. Mm -hmm. uh, so that the how to use the tool has not been my problem. It's, it's very much been um, kind of figuring out the why and doing things for reasons um, and and cleaning up what what the result of that contribute migration was because it was a straight migration of years of content straight over into WordPress um, with with no like real content strategy process around that um, and there's never been any kind of real governance on the website aside from like you know restricted to specific templates uh, you only get one theme that kind of thing um, and that's been the extent of like re of web governance at mm -hmm. UW um, and so that's there's a lot of issues that come from there are a lot of issues that come from that right and we when we hooked up site improve we were able to see all these accessibility problems all of these um, the spelling errors and the broken links and the content that hadn't been updated, the files that had existed in their current form since 1998 had never been touched. Uh, there's, you can see all of that stuff in reports. And when I took that to cabinet, the president was just like, fix it, just fix it, <laughs> whatever it is, just fix it. <laughs> so 
um, that was kind of the beginning of this whole this whole thing. That's a good point, though, because for us, or at least I know in our group, uh, we spend a lot of time, you know, talking about how to make uh, how to teach people to use WordPress. But you're right; it's somewhat intuitive. We moved from Drupal, and so for a lot of our users, WordPress was a huge, you know, happy turnaround. But in all those efforts to train on WordPress, we sometimes forget to talk about, you know, the the issues with um, the a actual content that you're putting in there. It's easy enough to use, but are you even using it right? Yeah, that and that's that's really and when we did the content strategy portion, um, when we started that, we brought in a consultant to do a lot of that legwork with us, and we did these stakeholder interviews across campus, this like wide cross section of campus that was two days worth of conversations with different groups, and one of the things that I heard kind of nonstop was. Um, I don't know what's good. I don't know what's right. I and I and I don't know. Like I, I heard all kinds of complaints over the course of months about the search engine results, the internal search engine results, and and just all kinds of things. I heard some complaining about the templates and the tool, but that was really kind of tertiary at best, right? What I was hearing from people was, I want to know how to do things better and get better results. Um, and so that that was really a driver too for us to to take a hard look at at the how, I mean at the why versus the how. Mm -hmm. So in your presentation, uh, which I did look through the slides, even though I wasn't there, um, you share a document, well, a bunch of documents outlining everything that you've done in terms of your training program and the structure of how you approach all of this. Um, and one of the things you say is that you wanted to give your website managers like a solid toolbox and a shared vocabulary mm -hmm. um, just so that everybody would be on the same page. Mm -hmm. What kind of impact has that had? Have you found like it's easier to understand what people are asking for? Have you found that support calls go quicker? Um, well, there's, there's a, a tiered answer to that. Um, one, I have a really limited sample size to work mm -hmm. with right now. We rolled out the, we rolled out training on August 1st. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got probably a couple dozen uh, admins who have now, or site managers who've now gone through this process, and I've gotten some um, kind of anecdotal feedback from them, and I, I have seen that the questions that they've asked um, have been more kind of targeted, and, and they're more aware of what they're asking. Um, which is which is amazing. Um, one of the next pieces of this is we're going to start doing a post-training survey and see and try to get some more like um, quantitative like happiness levels and understanding where they feel like um, things are, are are lacking and that kind of thing. Um, I I did run a, a six-month trial with various groups, uh, and and the truth is I feel like no news is good news in a lot of this like we I haven't I haven't gotten um, significant complaints I have stopped hearing from a lot of these people that I heard from a lot at that point so I feel like I feel like that they've, they've been a little bit more empowered and I need to I need to kind of verify that and do some outreach but it's it's I I'm at this point um, calling it pretty successful based on all the feedback that I got with the trial group and the feedback that I've gotten so far but none of that is I don't have data right now that shows that this has been, you know, successful by because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm I'm pretty confident that it's coming. It, it's it's been good so far. 
And so how did you, since uh, I guess you were going from a Wild West to something more structured, mm-hmm. how did you decide, like, you know, you could you could spend all day every day talking about the ins and outs of all these different tools and, mm-hmm. you know, the right way to do this, the wrong way to do that. How do you do, how did you decide what to prioritize and what what fit into this program and what didn't? Oh, um, really, I, I kind of tied a lot of that to um, what we can support and have been supporting and what the bulk of our support requests coming in have been about, right? And then um, I also I tied it to what their desired outcomes are. So talking about exactly which tools to decide to do conversation about I really just, this was all about how basic can we get um, a training program that begins to touch on kind of all the things that they need to know. And really the goal has been, I want them to understand that there are wise, but not necessarily be experts in any of those things. Um, just like I want them to understand that there are, there are good ways to do things in WordPress, but not necessarily be WordPress experts, right? So we're, we're kind of there's a lot of scratching the surface here where the goal is to introduce a training program that makes them aware of and accountable for the, the, the 90% of what comes through that is the very most basic information that they need to have. Understanding that there are, um, that there are standards and best practices, understanding that there are compliance issues, understanding that they are in the control of their um, search engine results for their internal content. Not it's not this black magic box that I can fix, right? So no, it's so much better when you just tell them it's black magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's voodoo and it's all me. Um, but you know, getting people to just be aware of those things and and kind of understand that in the context of that, there's a couple of things that you need to know about. You need to understand that WordPress is where the website lives. You need to understand that Site Improve is where our our governance information comes from, our qualitative, or I mean our quality assurance content, um, and also where they have access to analytics and and a bunch of other stuff. Um, And we we just kind of went, this is this is what we can train on that will actually solve problems for us because everything else that we use, I, I, I kind of decided that additional training on that at this phase would cause more problems than it would solve. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I worked really hard to weed out those things that were going to cause more problems than they were going to solve. Um, Shelly, can you give us some background on that site improve since you mentioned it a couple times and mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm understanding it. I mean, do you want to know what it is or how we're using it? Uh, sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Site Improve is this really phenomenal, um, it, it, it's got, oh, I don't even know how to, it's, it's my precious and you can't have it. Um, it is, <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, it's got quality assurance information in there, so it's broken links and spelling errors. Um, it, it gives page scores in it, uh, based on those kinds of those things, broken links, spelling errors, that kind of thing. It does um, uh, give some analytics data. Uh, it's just pretty robust analytics data, but it also ties, like, um, number of pages that it, within the site that are linked to a given page and number of, of visits during a specific period to a given page, and it gives you all this in kind of a single place in a way that, that lets you understand... Um, okay, this page has problems and there are 
thousands of people looking at it right. every week or day or whatever um, versus this page down here has problems and it's got three visits in the last month. I, I'm not even, like, this is not my priority. So it, it really does do a good job of kind of helping us prioritize things as well. Um, it's got a policy feature, which means basically that's a tool that lets me, we just had a president change. So now I can create a policy to search for the old president's name and alert me anytime it's found so that I can pull a report and make sure that everywhere that it is is somewhere that it belongs, right? right? So that it, it's a news thing, it's uh, an old blog post, it's something that, that doesn't say our current president is the last guy. Right? So it's those kinds of things. I can also do reports on things like um, files that have been, haven't been updated or downloaded in however long. So I can see those things from 1988 that have been that are just archived on the website because that's what that's for. Um, and and it just gives me a lot of information that I can use to help to continue moving forward on improving so is this a plan? everything. No, it's a third party service. Dang it, I want it. <laughs> it's amazing. So, so I guess amazing. I guess that's my next question then. Um, you know, there are WordPress plugins that do pieces of all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine doing something like what you're doing with just sort of a collection of free plugins and you just sort of know how they all fit together? Or do you think it's really important to have that single product suite that does everything for you? I'm getting a little quiver. <laughs> because um, do I think it's possible? Yes. Do I think that it makes things much, much harder in this space? Yes. Um, we're running, uh, one of the things that, that we're dealing with is we're kind of running a bifurcated site. So we're running one site on the new site that everything is slowly migrating to. Um, is on WP Engine, and that, that presents, it's amazing, but it presents some limitations with the tools that, that you can add, right? And then the old site is on uh, an enterprise provider that we're already a little bit pushing the limits of, of what they can support, right? Uh -huh. So any additional plugins and data storage and all of that stuff inside the system is not, that's not really the way that I want to take us right now. Um, that's not to say that we couldn't at some of the side group is not cheap. So it's not it's not to say that that's not a direction that we could go when some of these other problems are solved, but we're not in a place where that's really practical. And having all that stuff in one place and have it relate the way that it does in Site Improve is is more valuable than I can say. To be able to keep digging into report and look at all of those pieces together for a given blog site inside the network is um, is really invaluable. And Site Improve is the place, um, and I think there's a question down about this later, but when we go through the, the kickoff for a content strategy process for any given site that we're starting to move over to the new network, um, Site Improve is the starting place. It provides an inventory of the site and all of the requisite data that I need to start making a case for um, all the changes that need to happen and it gives me a place to start having some of those conversations about the internal versus external value um, and and I the the number of visits to a page I kind of I kind of equate to external value versus the number of links within the net within the whole site mm -hmm. to that page I kind of equate to internal value so that we can start talking about what their priorities are mm -hmm. and what's important um, so yeah it's just it's my favorite 
so I, I think you're making Jen a little bit jealous. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look at Jen again. Yeah. <laughs> Focus back on the... <laughs> so um, one of the things I think I saw in your materials, one of the things that, that Site Improve gives you data on is accessibility, right? Mm -hmm. And you do have accessibility as one of these sort of core topics mm -hmm. that you're, you're training your users on. And I, I guess I'm curious to hear what you talk about and how you talk about it. Because in my experience, a lot of our users want to do the right thing. They mm -hmm. want to have accessible websites, but they don't really have the habits or the knowledge to be able to do that. And I'm wondering, like, what do you emphasize and how do you build those, those long-term habits that you need to have? Um, that's a really great question. The accessibility video um, is the longest one in that series of videos uh, by by a lot, a lot. I don't know if you've looked at the list, but most of those videos are are under ten minutes, mm -hmm. um, and most of them are under five. Right? We do very brief bites of what we need to tell you, um, but the accessibility video is almost twenty minutes, and I I kind of frame it with. Um, I pulled in two other videos from one from an ex accessibility expert who allowed me to tie to to cut his video into mine, um, and he talks about why accessibility is important um, and how it matters in kind of the broader world. And we're a liberal arts school, so to be able to talk about accessibility as a as a function of um, kind of the democratic distribution of knowledge is is was an important piece for me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of talk about. I talk about uh, some kind of practical accessibility things about, um, you know, alt tags and and just some very basic kind of stuff about how you can't embed um, can't embed text in an image and stick it up on the web and that's totally fine, right? So it's just some some very very basics. Mm -hmm. um, and then I cut in another video that is um, her name is Colleen and I suddenly can't remember, but she does the Blind Inspiration podcast. And um, she's a blind user, and she did an example of her using a screen reader to navigate a site. And I cut that in after this conversation about all these things that she talks about. I cut that in to show them things like why. This is exactly why. This is a very powerful illustration of why you can't use click here everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's um, a great idea. It's yeah. so, so impactful when somebody hears that for the first time. Right. Well, exactly. And and those are the kinds of things. Like the pushback, one of the questions that you get, you've asked about is about pushback and the the only real pushback I've gotten is from there are there are there are stakeholders on Canvas who are just so used to certain behaviors that they are kind of defending them to the death. I want click here because my users don't know that it's a link unless I tell them to click here and I'm like, You're wrong and here's why. Um, and I need to, but but I understand that that kind of cling, um, the desire to hold on to the things that, that you that you know, and to what what this person really wants is to make things as easy as possible on her users, and I understand that. But showing, really demonstrating that that that's kind of misguided, and that there are better ways to do that is mm -hmm. is is a really important, valuable thing. So that that's kind of um, I felt like. We can say accessibility, and we can say compliance, and we can say required in lawsuit, and I can talk about that, and that works really, really well at the cabinet level. But when I'm down in the trenches talking to site managers, getting them to understand that there are really solid 
user-focused reasons to do something different than what they've been doing in the past is, is the only way to really communicate that to them. It has to be powerful, and it has to be enough to change behaviors. And I really like, um, in your presentation, you have a slide that's called the Governance Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. And I really like you have the rights of your web managers, and then you also have the rights of their users. Mm -hmm. And those rights of their users, really that's you telling them what you want them to do, what you're getting out of it. Mm -hmm. But you're framing it in a very user-centric way. I, I really, I love that slide a lot. Thank you. It's one of my favorites. Um, and it, it's really, I did that because I wanted to put a human face on the work that we're asking them to do. And um, when, I, when I talk about the, the site manager's rights, what I'm saying to them is, this is what I'm here for. I am here to help you with these things. Um, and that's part of that is kind of self-protectionist. It's a little bit of a insulation from kind of the day-to-day, -day, like the things that they are having to manage because we are a distributed authorship model and because we don't have an enormous staff to support their, their regular operations with their website, especially if they're a high volume, kind of constant change environment. Um, but to let them know, like, we are really here to support you with these things, and we will do everything we can to make this as easy as, it, as, as we can on you so that you can deliver this experience to your users. Mm. And my, I think one of my favorite pieces of that um, is the they should have access to support that they should never need. And that, that to me is kind of the crux of everything. Like, and I think that that's really important for me to deliver too is here's some training that will give you the strengths that you need to do 95% of what you need to do, and, and, but I'm here for you should you need additional help. Right? Yeah, I love that sentiment. How, yeah. how, how do you support your web managers? Do they just come to you, or does it go through like the IT help desk? What kind uh, they, of system do you have? They come to us. Um, we have a ticket system. Uh, we just, every email that comes through, we just kind of turn it into the ticket system. We have... Um, I don't know if you've visited the UMW website, but there's a, a, a link on the very bottom of every page of the site. This is um, report a problem, mm -hmm. which is, is a bit of a blunt instrument idea and a way of approaching it, but it's really, really effective. Um, and, and so between the report a problems and the emails that come directly from site managers, we do a really good job of directing traffic. So the problems that come in go to the appropriate site managers, and then the site manager difficulties that come in turn into tickets, and we, we just support that with, with whatever we have and however we, however we do. Um, and, and that's, it's basically all on us. Mm -hmm. uh, very, every once in a while, something will go through the IT help desk, um, and I'm in a conversation right now with our help desk, with our support owner, our support manager, um, to look at maybe outsourcing, off, offloading some of the, the normal, regular 90% day-to-day stuff that does come into us off to them. Um, but right now, we own all of the, the web support. Okay. And uh, I guess <laughs> I, I know Jen and I talked a little about this. I know um, where you're going. <laughs> yeah. So the, one of the things that I'm most interested in hearing you talk about all this is doing something like that here at NC State. Yeah. And UMW has about 5,000 students, mm -hmm. and NC State has about 35,000 students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, not to call UMW small, <laughs> but they're... And they are. That's, it's okay. But it's okay. I, I am really interested in, do you have any ideas on, like, 
how some of what you're doing would scale to a, a much larger institution, uh, you know, that many more hands, you know. Basically, to, you need to tell us how we can do our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we, we're, we're a pretty small institution, but I've got 250 content managers, mm -hmm. right? So um, that's, that's not a small number compared right. to how many faculty and staff we actually have, right? So, um, I, and, I, and really, this governance model is, is a lot more about uh, empowering people to do good work than it is about trying to be the web police. And I think that there's, it's really dependent on what your, what your culture is and what your, what your, um, what your bandwidth is. What, what is your ability to support users? And we're, we're really putting all of the, like my goal is to, um, it, I just lost my word because it happens all the time, but um, it's to make them accountable and, and empower them to do the right thing. So I, I don't, I have a hard time feeling like that wouldn't be something that would be a goal anywhere. Right. Um, but then the, and if you're able to train away a huge number of your, um, your, your hows and your whys, then you're reducing your workload. So I, it just makes a lot of sense to me, even if there are other layers in that process, or you have more workflows and those kinds of things. We we have no workflow, mm -hmm. and anybody who has access to the website has access to the website. They we are limiting, and there's there's some of that that's changing. The um, the new site they don't have admin level access to anything. We've cut out um, we've cut out access to widgets and menus and themes and setup stuff and some other things. So they they have access to content, G form, gravity forms, um, you know, things that that are tied to managing their content, right? Mm -hmm. We're not I'm not letting them I'm not letting the inmates run the asylum <laughs> on this side. The way that it's done on on our old site, they anybody who has admin access has a full admin access. But part of this process is kind of weeding out some of the bad behaviors that have taken over over there. So anyway, the the point is, I think that really depends on your culture. Right. But I I think that um, it, it also really depends on what your resources are, mm -hmm. because this this model makes the most sense when you're in a scenario where you are overtasked and under-resourced, which is exactly where we're sitting. So, yeah, I'm going to detour a second and tell you about what we do, and just for the purposes of giving that other perspective, and, and that is we don't do anything, really. I mean, we do a little bit. So when we have large sites, like, for example, um, our Division of Academic and Student Affairs has one multi-site. There's, like, 60 sites on there. You know, mm -hmm. HR just launched, they've got like a dozen or so sites on there. And within those multi-sites, we'll have what we call publishing help, and there are some guidelines that are similar to this in those individual multi-sites. What we don't have is some overarching structure for all of our clients. We have some best practices out on the web that people can refer to. We have mm -hmm. basic video tutorials for some stuff, although that's just basically use WordPress, not guidelines. But this is something that I know I speak for Brian and I both here that we're very concerned about, and probably a big part of the reason why Brian wanted you to come talk to us is because we know that we need to do this better. Mm -hmm. 
I don't necessarily think that we can solve all of our problems for campus because we're just one group and there's even a communications group that is really completely separate from us and decides a lot of these things too. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure how we reconcile that, but I know we can be doing better. And that's kind of where I came in um, when I when I walked in the UMW with the issues that existed. I, I just knew that we had to do something um, to do better. Uh, and, and that meant not just do better as far as the end result, but do better by our users because they were kind of floundering. Right? And, and I, by that I mean our, our web managers. There were a lot of people with access to the site who had absolutely no idea what to do with it. Um, so give everyone access too, by the way, since you mentioned that. We don't yeah. really stifle that. I mean, the nice thing about WordPress is, hey, revision history. But there, right. there is, we do a, a bit of a disservice to folks as well. So. Yeah. And, and that was my thinking, too, which is one of the reasons that when I did the, um, hold on, I have to go find the name of it because I have no words, the expectations and best practices um, lesson, um, that, that was part of that whole process, like understanding that as an admin on a website or as a site manager on a website, you're required to and responsible for specific behaviors. You are expected to do certain things and you're agreeing to do those things by continuing this training. Um, and and those are things that they've at that point already seen and that's the, the last piece before they hit WordPress training. Um, but, but just starting to build that up and give people, and, and here's one of the things, there are a huge number of our site managers who are other duties as assigned, right? Mm -hmm. They are, it's, it's most of our users, right? Yeah. So they are admins or faculty who got stuck on the committee and now they're the person dealing with the, the site. Um, and they, they don't really want to be there, but I wanted to do two things with, with how we framed this. I wanted to empower them, and I said that, I think I said this a couple of times, but I really wanted to empower them to understand um, how to think about their content and what they're trying to accomplish, right? And then I also wanted to make sure that there was a level of accountability. And the, the accountability piece for me is not, I'm about to come blame you for something, but it's, it's to also empower them to maybe push back against uh, a, an upper level boss, uh, you know, their dean, who wants a thing, I want a thing, I want a thing, I want a thing, mm -hmm. and, in, and this person has not only now had the training that says, this is maybe not the right thing, but also has understands where their support comes from, i.e. me, I will go sit down with the dean and tell them no for you. Um, sure. But they, they also have a level of accountability, like we're doing revision. We actually have our all of our um, revisions on the new site are backing up into GitHub, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but we have a, uh, I have a, I have a permanent record of the changes that you're making, and if, I, if we get if we get an accessibility lawsuit or we get a copyright problem, right, and I come to, back to this page and see that you're the one that made that change, you're the one whose name I'm referring to legal counsel. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, um, so they need to understand that the, the push that they get from above to do a thing that's maybe not okay is not going to result in that, that person that's above them that's doing the pushing being the one called to court. It's going to be them. So giving them the power to go, let's have a conversation about this because right. it's a bigger issue than just what you want. They've been assigned that task, giving them the power and the information that they right. actually do it right is extremely important. Right, and that's where I wanted to come in because, and, and 
the, the kind of the grand scheme of all of this is when I got there, I didn't have any, I have no way to say no to a lot of things, right? And I have been, I have been, luckily, I've been able to, re I've been able to tie a lot of things that came in that were bad ideas to accessibility. So I had a compliance tie to that so that I could keep, I could, I could rework that. Um, but I didn't have a lot, I wasn't really, I wasn't empowered, even as the, basically the, the organizational owner of the website, I wasn't empowered to make sure that we were doing the right things. And because they're, you can't get them to do the right thing if they don't know what the right thing is. So I had to put together something that said, here's how this needs to work. So now you've been trained on that. And here's what that means to you. Uh, here are your expectations and best practices, and this is what you're agreeing to. And now, as I'm, as I'm getting all that launched out, we're building out that piece that gives me the power to go to find a problem on the website when it happens and be like, you know better than this. Mm -hmm. The bar is this high. Get above it. Stop, yeah. stop this. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a multi-layered, like, we did this for a lot of reasons and there's a lot wrapped up in it, but but it's all really intentional. So, we have a technical issue. I have a technical issue. I knew I was going to do that as soon as I put this in today. You got so excited. I did. I got so excited, and I totally talked with my hands. So, so I was going to ask, uh, how do you deal with your overachievers, your ones who think they already know how to do everything and maybe uh, respect their own judgment more than yours? <laughs> um, we call them faculty. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that because someone might watch this. Um, um, here's the deal with, with that. I don't, I'm not having a, I don't have a lot of those on the new site, which is really where this governance, um, where the training and governance piece comes in right now. And we're not really, the, the old site's still Wild West. Mm -hmm. So anybody who comes in and um, wants to do X, Y, Z crazy thing, we one we don't have the resources to support them. So a lot of times, depending on what it is, we'll send them to our our division of teaching and learning with technologies, and they do a bunch of stuff with WordPress. So it doesn't get to live on the the edu, and it it it's a separate thing, right? So if if this is really what you want to do, you gotta go talk to them because we can't help you. Um, and there are there are. There are departments that are doing some kind of out there stuff within the realm of, and, and they're really within the limits of, of what they can do within WordPress the way we've set it up for them, because we don't support those extra pieces. Right. Um, but there are some of those, and really, I just kind of, I just kind of let it go. I'm just kind of like, this is let it out into the universe, and this is not something that I can do something about right now, and I don't have. It's not a hill I want to die on, so I, I for the most part, just let them be. Um, when we start to do the content strategy process and start to move them over as we get spaces set up for all of these, we'll go through the whole, we have a very specific, very well done functioning process for redeveloping sites into the new version of, or to the new setup. Um, excuse me. And, and that's when I'll fight that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we will really address and figure out what their need really is and how we can best deliver. Because I'm, I, I work really hard not to be like, no, we're not, no. But there's also, I feel like a lot of those issues as we've been migrating users have been really solved by 
by honest conversations about what the department thinks it needs versus what the, the user is actually needing and how they reconcile that and, and what where, where useful ends and ego begins. <laughs> begins. Yeah, there's, so there's a lot of those conversations that happen in the process of kind of, of, of rethinking and redeveloping sites strategically. Unfortunately, um, sometimes that's the only time you can have that conversation. Yes, exactly. Which is why no, there's there's absolutely not one site moving like just beginning picked up and moved over. Yeah. No, not at all. Every single one of those has to go through this process with us, mm -hmm. um, because because a, a a big chunk of them because of the way the old server and the old site is set up, it's a really kind of highly customized WordPress install versus moving over to WP Engine. We it's not really a, it's not an apples to apples thing. We don't have a lot of choices in that, which has been awesome because it means I can be like, I'll put you on the, on the, on the calendar for next fall. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so I guess there's sort of a multiple components to this then. There's your online training, but then there are these conversations about migrating from your old site to your new site. I'm guessing that happens in person, those conversations. <laughs> That <laughs> was on all in his lap. <laughs> well, because it's you know, I've been really thinking about um, working on developing or redeveloping or kind of repurposing some of the training that we've done because that training is for the sites that have already been moved over, mm -hmm. right? It's for people who've already been through the conversations about content strategy and and all of that stuff. Um, and we've already like we've already finished the process with them, and they're ready to go live. I need to look at releasing um, a, a different component of that that is that helps existing site managers on the old network prep their sites mm -hmm. for migration and really start to rethink their content themselves, um, maybe without my direct intervention and without some of those conversations to get it in a place where, it's it's stronger and more ready to get moved over, so that maybe we can speed this process up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I haven't I haven't figured that out yet. Like I haven't figured out how to how to introduce some of these concepts and not be in the room for all the questions that happen because of it. So it's it's kind of a I would really like to be able to just shove out a training that lets people just start to 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 churn this themselves. Right. But I haven't figured that out yet. Well, right. the topic's not always with you either. Like, I actually had a conversation with someone about that this morning that, mm -hmm. you know, for us, in this case, we have a lot of work. We're not going to be able to start working with this client for four to six weeks. So you can say, hey, this is the time for you to do your homework and start thinking about how mm -hmm. the process should go for you, what you as an organization needs, talk mm -hmm. about it internally. A lot of times, though, people show up at our door and there's already some timeline to it, and that, that crunch doesn't always allow us to, you know, be as strategic as we want to be. Right. Well, that's the great thing about because um, I'm, I'm any new site development that I work on goes into the new stuff. But a lot of times, if there's a time crunch component, a, a you know it's something outside of what we can can take on as workload. Um, because that old site still exists, I can be like, I can give you a blank site and you can do what you want, and that that relieves a lot of pressure for us right there. Right? Um, it's terrifying, and but it's just one of the things that I've had to. I've just had to kind of go, you know what, not my circus, not my monkeys. There's not anything I can do about this right now. I have to, and, and, and things have to keep happening 
um, I can't shut down day-to-day -day operations in the university because this is wrong. So we have to find a way to, to deliver or to allow them to, to do it themselves. And that's been kind of our answer is um, if you really need this and you really need it before we can really work with you, then you feel free to, to do whatever you need to over here in this space. Um, and that keeps things going, and it, it, it kind of tones down on some of the angst against us <laughs> that happens kind of invariably. I'm going to have to knit a pillow that says, not my circus, not my monkey. <laughs> gonna have I, think to. I, I think I have to give that one to Robin Smale. I think that's her, that's her mantra. I like it. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> Moving away from circuses and monkeys. Uh, Not we're in higher ed. There's no. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. May, maybe maybe actually heading deeper into the circus. So uh, I guess you you've talked about trying to empower your your site managers, but part of this, I guess it sounds like all of this is only possible because of some support you're getting from above you, right? Mm -hmm. Your your own institutional support. Can you talk a little about how your bosses view this whole project of yours? Um. Do they think you're crazy for trying, or no, no, nobody does. Um, at least not I said it's my face. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, you know, it's one of the things that when I was when I was making the case for a redevelopment initiative, um, and this was before, and I tell this story um, in the presentation, but basically. When we when I got there and I started um, talking about the content strategy stuff and started really understanding what some of the problems were at the institution and kind of nailing down that those were really um, those were really content problems and not design or infrastructure problems, right? That that and that meant that and they really kind of boiled down to um, process and governance and training. When I was having those conversations. Um, I, I did a lot of I did a lot of storytelling to tie um, kind of the bottom line and and uh, the problems that I was reporting and the things that the president was choking on to the fact that this was a content problem and it was a training issue and that we needed to to address this as kind of um, a, a much more kind of fundamental underlying problem that a redesign or or a, a you know making it shiny wasn't going to solve. Um, and, and what I say in the presentation is, is um, we couldn't landscape the hoarder house and expect positive results. <laughs> and that, that's exactly what it, what it would have aligned to. And so um, one of the things that I admitted is that I spent a lot of time saying mandatory training and it just became this accepted thing. No, I didn't, I never asked permission to do mandatory training. I, I don't ask permission to do a lot of things. But I feel like that's that's why I've been put in this position. That's why they brought me in was to do the right thing. And there are there are places where I go, we have a choice and I need somebody to to kind of assess and decide which direction we want to go. But for the most part, there's a lot of stuff that, that comes up in my job where I feel like this is this is my job is to make this decision and, and move this forward. And so I, I did that. I said mandatory training and, you know, vice president's just nodded. Yeah, it's a good oh, idea. Stewardship is important. And do what? I didn't hear that. It became mandatory. Yes. Yes. You tell, you, you tell a story often enough, it becomes the truth. I like it. Um, and, and, 
And that was really the key. And so um, I never got any pushback from above. And uh, that became 